So I navigated that business, my startup, through that recession with no help and advice. You don't have to know the terminology that we're going into a period of economic instability. No one's going to buy porridge, so that means my business will fail. We project so much of our own experience and our own values around money onto other people. During the recession, it can look like business as usual. So on LinkedIn, people are very reluctant to show weakness. Welcome back to the podcast. You're listening to episode number 204 of Starting the Conversation. I'm your host, Alice Benham. And this week, I'm very excited to be joined by the brilliant Fleur Emery, who is a startup expert, business consultant, and today is going to be educating us on all things recessions. Hello, Fleur. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Starting the Conversation episode 254. It started. The conversation has started, isn't it? Yeah. Well, 204. Not quite 254. But we'll be there at some point. It's just getting a bit silly now. I kind of wonder if I should just take the numbers out just feels a bit a bit weird i have never had <laughs> so many questions from the audience every time i do a guest conversation i'll always put something on instagram or linkedin and be like you know what would you like me to ask this person usually you know there's a handful it took me about 10 minutes this morning to write down all which 10 minutes might not sound like a long time but i feel like when you're going for instagram responses in a box quite a lot of time to spend so people want to know and i'm excited to hear as well i feel like i'm learning too my name's Fleur Emery and nearly 20 years ago, I started a food business, an independent food brand. And although that doesn't sound like much these days, at the time there weren't any. So I ended up sort of putting my, leaning my shoulder into a door that had been closed particularly for women founders and sort of, you know, kicking it down a little bit and opening up some of the sort of startup industry that you see now. So I had some success with it and I sold it in Waitress and British Airways and whatnot. That project absolutely flying and going great guns when the um, global recession of 2008 happened. So I navigated that business, my startup, through that recession with no help and advice, made a lot of mistakes, did some stuff right and paid a Attention. And then also, of course, the pandemic thing. I launched a business in the pandemic, Real Work, my women's online community. That's done really well. I've got experience of a service business and a product business navigating through two different types of recession. And yeah, I've paid attention. My approach is a hands-on business owner's approach. So that's kind of who I'm here for. The reason that's kind of relevant is when you say, what is a recession? It doesn't really matter if you understand that or not, right? You know, in business, we come up against all these questions and we think, oh God, I don't really understand what um, customer lifetime value is. And I'm going to look a fool because I don't know the difference between net profit and growth. Forget all of that. You don't have to know the terminology. Doesn't matter because the truth is that you can, first of all, you can Google it. Second of all, it changes all the time. Third of all, different economists and the Bank of England have different examples of like if there's been shrinkage in GDP for three you know quarters in a row or two doesn't matter you don't have to watch the news analyze the news understand the economic you just have to know that we're going into a period of economic instability our economy is not failing but it's it's heading downwards and there's all kinds of different ways that that will affect your business and there's all kinds of opportunities. I feel like sometimes getting stuck in the detail can be a bit of an avoidance technique where it's like, oh, if I just kind of argue 
about whether it's happening or not. In the recession of 2008, the rolling news cycle hadn't been invented. Your listeners, your community will be exposed to more news and updates than ever before in a very unhealthy and triggering way. And remember that in order to feed the rolling news cycle, people need to make something that is clickable. So they will take a tiny data item, data point, and they will spin it into a news story to forward their career and get their work seen on the app or clicked on on the app. That's the way the machinery is built. And they want you to have a feeling so that you click and read. And that feeling isn't happiness, isn't it? I just put it to one side and I say, right, what am I going to do about it? Because that's the important part, right? Like so many challenges, you can't change it happening. You change how you respond to it. And that's why I'm so excited for this episode because I feel like so many of the conversations around recessions that I'm seeing are just very focused on almost just having a bit of a pity party about it. And I'm like, cool, you know, I have my two minutes of feeling my feels, but what now? Like, what can I tangibly do for so many business owners who perhaps started up in lockdown, many of us will have never experienced a recession, you know, of the 2008 standard with our businesses. It is something we're figuring out for the first time. What impact do you notice a recession has on small businesses? So that question is um, has infinity answers depending on your business model, your customers, all those different things. Buying behavior, market behavior, how markets and customers and clients respond to economic instability is highly complex. And it's very easy to say, oh, well, mine's a travel industry, so it'll be all right. Like in the pandemic, mine's a travel industry, so it'll be all right. Or my customers are schools, people will always need you know, education. It's very easy to sort of go into one of those things, either for the positive or the neg- negative. Like, we've, my business is going to fail because, or we're going to be all right because. But actually, buying behavior is incredibly complex and very surprising. And it will continue to change during the, you know, this economic instability, which could go on for years or a decade. The main message that I have is to keep calm and pay attention. Pay attention to be curious and to be connected with your your customers, your clients, your marketplace. What happened? I wonder why that happened. Why did they do that? I wonder, so they're buying that. Okay, so a small example is that my first startup, the food business, was a luxury porridge product, right, called Grasshopper Porridge. So when you go and buy a pot of instant porridge from the supermarket now, I invented that. Me and my sister invented that. We created a category that didn't exist in the supermarket before we did that. We made these little cardboard pots and drew grasshoppers on them, and you could add boiling water. They cost retail products at that point, almost 20 years ago, there were two pounds for a portion. And regular economy Tesco oats, if you made a portion of that for your porridge, for your breakfast, it would be like maybe two pence or four pence at that time. So the, it was a very, very expensive product being sold in Waitrose or the mini bar at Soho House, right? So the recession news comes on, it says there's a recession. And I think that means no one's going to have any money. So that means no one's going to buy porridge. So that means my business will fail. And in fact, it was kind of the opposite in a way, because there's things that people might stop going out to restaurants and instead they might go and buy Tesco finest beef bourguignon or they might um, like micro treating mini holidays. You know, if they can't get away to France, then they might, you know, go glamping. There's all these different changes and adjustments that people make. They mm. don't just stop 
spending. And also the other thing to remember is that although we can feel like we have insight into our customers or clients' ability to pay, it's that's also a mystery. And I've learned that just as I get older in life. We project so much of our own experience and our own values around money onto other people. But in its simplest form, oh, if they've got a thousand pound handbag, you know, they must have money. Maybe they've gone bankrupt and maybe, you know, that's the only thing that lasted. Paying attention, having conversations, being curious and adapting to what's actually happening in real time in your business. Staying light and staying nimble and listening. And it sounds like a big part of that is not making assumptions. Well, I'm going to change my behavior in this way because of the looming recession. So therefore everyone else is going to do the same or to almost say our customers or our clients knows for them and to think, well, they're not going to want to buy this because I've come to the conclusion that no one's going to buy this in this coming time. When in fact, just like you're saying, I mean, you can apply that to any time in business. Can't you like look at the data, look at the numbers? Because ultimately no one, you know, the, the headlines act like they do. None of us know what exactly is going to change as a result of this coming period. If I have less money, the changes that I make, the things that are negotiable and the things that are non-negotiable, first of all, are completely different to what your negotiables are. And second of all, they're completely different to what mine were four years ago or eight years ago. You know, I used to be like, oh, the, you know, anything can go except the hairdresser. You know, I have, I mean, that's just a basic, you know, that's just like food and water, the hairdresser. And um, a couple of years ago, I just stopped going to the hairdresser and um, yeah, just saved a lot, a lot of money. Have you got a dog? Have you ever lived? with a dog yes yeah right so there's a thing when they say record numbers of people are leaving their dogs at dog shelters because they've got not not enough money can you imagine doing i'd be Mm. on a park bench with my dog i'd lose my house before my dog exactly so that's a really strong example of how they might let the dog go but they might still having a curry on a friday night or they might still have a holiday home if you extrapolate that into the world of business it's people are so peculiar that trying to work out what will happen is a bad idea and instead looking at like possibilities and what is happening and what that could lead to and being open to those things and for me the relationship side of this relationships not just with our clients and customers but my big message in terms of preparing yourself for the for this time of changing economy is about looking at um, the nuts and bolts of your business who do you buy products and services from in order to supply your customers, reconnecting with them, finding out what's going on in their business? Are they suddenly not going to be able to supply you with something and halt your business? Is there any, you know, looking at the payment terms you have, is there any space in that relationship to say, I'm thinking that everything's going to go well and I'm going to carry on buying bread rolls off you. But if I, you know, if I can't pay the bread rolls, can would it be possible to extend the payment terms just in theory? You know, I also look at things like um, money, who we can get if I need money quickly, where I can get um, reasonably priced money from, whether that's a person, if I've got a rich cousin, I can say, I think everything, it looks like everything's going to be fine in my business. But if things aren't, and I need a bridging loan of five grand, would you be able, would you be in a position to lend me that kind of money? Here's the track record of the business so far. You know, I've made you a, a deck to look at. Here, I'm going to send it on WeTransfer. You, you know, this is where I'm at. This is the, these are the, the figures. Would you consider doing that? Do you have a 0% credit card with a big limit just in case? Yeah. I mean, that's such solid advice. I feel like that 
any point in business, let alone going into a time of uncertainty. And that actually reminds me of one of the questions that my community asked was quite a few people said it in just slightly different ways. You know, how do I continue to, I guess, sell to my audience or sell to my kind of previous customer base and prove to them that I'm still a value? And I guess from what you said that like comes down to the business fundamentals, doesn't it? Provide something that is of value. How do you prove you're of value? Be of value. Exactly. In my business, if you're on my email list, I make courses. As you know, I've got this recession one that I'm doing at the moment, but I have other ones that I occasionally make when I feel really inspired by a subject, digital ones, and I make them and then I go to sell it. So I send out these emails and I say, look, this is what I'm doing. This is what's in it. This is why you should do it. And sometimes people go pow, 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 and they buy it. And uh, the money comes into my strife. And I think, oh, aren't I clever? Sometimes nothing happens. And I go back to them and I say, yeah, you really didn't want that. If you can connect with them in that way, sometimes the answer is surprising. Even with this recession one, which is relevant, the content is just this conversation, but more in a load of videos. And it's just, you know, straight in, I'm going to walk you through an audit. You're going to be ready. You're going to feel great. Bam, bam, bam. Out it goes. I sent these emails. tumbleweed and when I dug into that and I was like what you don't want to help the recession what are you an ostrich you got your head in the sand it's happening they was do you know what they said they said you frightened us they said I you know I don't I don't want to look at it the way you've presented it I don't want to look at it and when I did a bit more wiggling around that the answer was I want to know how to like be happy in the recession and thrive in the recession, which is kind of what I'm selling anyway. But I hadn't promoted it like that. If we're selling something and it's not working, don't just assume it's because of the recession. Right. Because I could have just said, oh, they're not buying my courses because, you know, they're 100 quid or something. And it's like, oh, it's a recession. Email marketing was rubbish <laughs> and it just it just hit the wrong note. And it had the opposite effect to what I've wanted. I was, it was a marketing fail. It was a communication fail. Again, I was projecting what I thought they wanted to hear. And I was wrong. When we go to sell a product or service, if we don't get the uptake that we want initially, we the first thing we assume is we've made it too expensive. We need to just put that to one side. It may be too expensive and it may be the recession, but let's not just assume it's that. Let's be curious and think, wow, that's interesting. What did I expect to happen? What did happen? What's like, let's get into that. One of my kind of mantras that I've got as my laptop background is messy, consistent, curious action. And I think it's that curious piece that makes such a difference, isn't it? Is that you take the action, you go, right, what can I learn from that? And I love that point you made of don't just assume it's because of the recession. I think at the moment I'm noticing a lot of spaces that I'm in, it almost seems like a bit of an easy out of everyone's just kind of being like, all things aren't going well because of everything that's happening in the world. You think actually there's so much to analyze could have played a role alongside or perhaps instead of that. And I just think that's a great way to look at it to think of this as a time of right let's let's learn some lessons I remember when we went into lockdown one of the things that I did was I spent a couple of days really digging into you know sales data doing some research with my audience speaking to some clients and just thinking right if my business exists to meet people's needs their needs changing doesn't mean my business should fail I just need to learn again what their new needs are so my business can adapt to that. Yes, we make an audit, but that can look different to different people. So the same, to get the same result that you're describing, which is this deeper understanding of your market, do you know how I do it? I don't go that deep into the numbers. I don't print a spreadsheet out. I don't do it looking at my, like I go and do some sewing, dig up the garden, swim in the sea when it's really freaking cold. And I just kind of step away and spend time letting my subconscious mind do the work. And I 
look for inspiration outside myself. So I read completely non-work related. I look at even like switching off and going down a YouTube. Uh, there's this woman, Mary Warnock, this philosopher that I've been listening to. She's an older woman. She's like bold. She's bold. She talks about some really big issues. And I've just been like listening to her a lot. And then what will happen is my subconscious mind will connect with this stuff. And I'll be able to just think, oh yeah, they really don't want, didn't really want those emails. Like I'm really not, or I'm really don't want to do that. Why is that? And yeah. I connect with it by moving away. We all, well, my message is we all have a process of how we get the download. You get the download from your analysis and I get the download from just mm. l- wandering off into the distance what matters is that you make space and you get the, the brings the down you make a space to do that work whatever the work looks like yeah, for you that's a great point and I should say even I you know I do present I guess in a way that's quite structured but even for me that analysis is often quite qualitative it's a lot of kind of yeah. journaling or talking yeah. out loud like I actually find spreadsheets vastly unhelpful most of the time because I kind of just look at these numbers and I'm like what does that mean like these are people right people are so much more yeah. than the numbers they present but that's a great point because I think you can disqualify yourself from doing the work because you think, well, I I can't follow that process. One thing that I learned about the recession in real time, which I think is happening now, is the recession, particularly for service providers, and particularly if you provide a service to corporate clients, during the recession, it can look like business as usual. (laughs) So on LinkedIn, people are very reluctant to show weakness, right? Because it's a masculine paradigm and it's all about success and celebrating wins. You don't have people on there saying, you know, this is happening, it's bad. So there's a success vibe carrying on. Pretend, you know, on basically on LinkedIn, it's like we've hit the iceberg and let's just like carry on the party. So there's that happening. Yeah. And also behind the scenes in our you know client meetings, if we we it's in big companies, for example, it may be that they're having they have just as many people working on things and that they're taking just as many meetings, going through just as many proposals, but the budget for hiring people is a third of what it was last year. And if you're pitching to people, you might be doing the same amount of proposals, having the same amount of meetings. The meetings might look and sound the same, but you might be getting hired 60% less. And it's very easy to internalize that as well and think that's me. The recession is very unpredictable and strange. So watch out for strange things like that and hear my voice when they happen saying these are strange times. Let's get curious. It might not be you. There'll be a way around this. I think that leads to an interesting question where perhaps earlier on some of what we were talking about was more around how are session might impact kind of direct to consumer businesses, maybe people that are selling to the public, direct to customers. So a lot of the listeners to this podcast will be in B2B. They are service providers. They're working yeah. directly with businesses. I mean, I noticed at least, and I know it's not, I, mean, I don't know what your definition would be of it, but you know, lockdown as an example, where a lot of people went, gosh, everyone's spending is changing. I noticed that a lot in the B2B space, it stayed the same, if not increased. How do you notice, if any, is there a difference between how a recession impacts direct to consumer businesses versus those of us who are B2B? To be honest, Alice, I don't really dig into those kind of differentials in my mind. I don't know the answer to that question. And I'm sure there's an economist who does. I don't find, for me, I don't find lasering in on those things that useful. Because all of our differences, even one B2B business is, you know, one D2C business is completely different to another. So you might be selling 
um, something that you've made. You might be a maker selling on Etsy, right? That's a D to C. And you might be a nasty drop shipper. Sorry to drop shippers, but you might you might have a drop shipping model. It's like they're chalk and cheese as well. So who knows? So true. Well, I am about to give you some very black and white questions to a situation which I'm learning is not round. black and white. But <laughs> I guess to go through a couple of scenarios, yeah. if someone is looking to start a business, maybe they've been sitting on an idea for a while and they're suddenly thinking, is this the worst timing ever? No, there's always this whole thing of like, you know, it's a bad time in the world. It is a bad time, you know, particularly if you're a woman in Iran, the world's on fire, but this is what happens. There's all these periods of ups and downs and change. There's no point in waiting. Just bear everything. It might be real. Keep your feet on the ground, reduce your risk, test your concept, all these very sensible things when you think, okay, I've got an idea. I think this might work. And then you just think, okay, why do you think it'll work? Well, I think it'll work because I've observed this. Okay, let's try it out. Just start out. If you think, oh, you want to make cushions, make one. See if anyone wants to buy it and see, see, if, see what happens. You know, you can even nowadays, I would say pre-pandemic, even like branded goods, FMCG, which is my kind of sweet spot, you know, you'd have to invest a lot of money up the front end with this idea that you can't go to market until you're really slick. That's been pulled apart in the pandemic. You know, you can get things selling when they're a bit homemade. You know, we've quite big clients, big, big customers. You can just start. And I would encourage you to do that. Don't be put off by, yeah, all of that stuff. It's a, it's a great time to start anyway. It's always a great, particularly for women to start a business. Because as you know, when women start businesses, we create more value and more profit and, you know, reduce the chance of the world ending in our lifetime. Let's Yay. lay it down. <laughs> and also people starting and growing businesses digs us out of the recession. This is, you know, the, the cure, you know, creativity, finding solutions to social problems. This is a glorious time to start a business but just do it sensibly like be in the real world keep your keep the aerial picking up the signal don't just go off into um you know dragon's den nonsense land and think i'm gonna you know i'm gonna make ten thousand musical toilet seat because i'm sure people are gonna love them copying that idea right away and that will be my third business that's great advice sir. and i think advice that can be applied again to any stage of life you know people might be listening to this in five years time maybe we're at the recession by then it's still exactly how we should be doing Doing it is looking at the numbers, like you say, keeping your feet on the ground, which is advice that I know for a lot of the people who are listening to this will appreciate because particularly in the kind of Instagram business world that I sometimes operate in, <laughs> there is just so much oversimplified advice of like, just yeah. start, just, and it's like, where is the acknowledgement of risk? Where is the testing? Where is the slow, gentle growth that is actually going to lead to something sustainable here? So I think that's a great way to look at it. If we then go to the other end of the spectrum, people that already have businesses, maybe they're established, they're running it full time. Again, I know it's not black and white, but if they're sat, they're going, right, is this a time to, you know, cut back on my expenses and really just kind of sustain and keep the business small? Or is this a time to invest in scale? Cutting back on your expenses in a, in a, a swathing manner, you know, just like, oh, right, we don't need marketing. We don't need this. That is a lever again that we reach for when we're afraid <laughs> to cancel all the direct debits. <laughs> and I understand that. When you have an urge to do that, just understand it, that it's a, re a red flag that you need to go and, you know, do your, you know, adult coloring or whatever you do, <laughs> you know, do, you need to relax, deal with the, 
um, you know, the feel the feels. The feeling, yeah. Go and bake cookies or banana bread or whatever you need to do. Feel the feels and then recover. Always and regularly, we should audit the expenditure in our business. We should keep our hands on it and we should know all the money that's going in and out of the business at any time. And yes, that means not handing it all over to someone else. And the good thing is there's lots of fantastic tools like this these days, like, um, you know, bank accounts like um, Starling and Monzo, where it's so easy to keep track of the money. All that bit. I don't think our bill for that should be this much. I think last month it was that. And you're just sat at the bus stop, tip, 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 and you can see that and you can press the button. I don't think that's right. Do you think this is right? Starling will help, you know, use those tools to keep track of things. Yes, make sure that you're not paying for goods and services that you don't need. Yes, every single pound in your business is like an employee and it has to work in the most efficient way for you. We always have that running through our business, but we don't just switch everything off because the tsunami is coming. It doesn't work like that. And it's a it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. In terms of, just sorry to interrupt you there, can that behavior also contribute to the recession in the sense that, we're assuming that everyone is cutting costs and by cutting costs ourselves, if we think of it as a kind of ecosystem, we're actually not helping the situation. Or is that me? Very really possibly ask an economist. I don't, you know, yeah, very possibly. But um, yeah, pass. Okay. No, that's um, The um, reinvesting for growth. Is this a time to reinvest for growth? If, yes, it is. If it's the right time for you and your business to reinvest for growth. And you'll know that by how, if you know, if, if you've achieved product market fit, if it's like your business is really looking like it's working, it's outgrowing the kitchen and you have to press the button on reinvesting for growth. Ideally, you want to have achieved a, a feeling like it's really out growing capacity you know on its own kind of thing you know in its present state it's like oh golly there's too many hoarders there's too much stuff going on that's when you want to invest in an engine of growth and expand the business and I say that having made a mistake and not and done that wrong many times so it's not easy it's a very difficult thing to do because it's very easy to mistake early successes for true product market fit. I did that in real work. We had a smashing year one, went brilliant, went bananas. You know, this online community, everyone was coming together, all these women sharing, you know, hiring each other. It was super. Um, year two, I thought, wow, this is just fantastic. This just works like a charm. We invested all the money that we'd made in year one into growing it and getting a team and doing all these fancy email things. And this is a tent, what you're going to learn on this and come up at here's and here's a recording and here's a subtitle. And the business shrank in line with online community shrinking that year. Mm. And um, it wasn't really product market fit. It was just that we'd had a super year in the recession in, in the pandemic and we'd you know we'd filled gap but it wasn't yes. we hadn't got to the point when it was really stable enough to invest all that money and great you know so you live and learn luckily my aerial was on my head and eventually the signal came through and I just thought hang on a minute I'm paying all this money on marketing and no one's coming to my workshops why aren't they coming they don't want me to teach them stuff all the things that we talked about before about auditing the risk in the business if you're doing that anyway thinking through that stuff. Am I buying that in dollars? You know, am I, how much is the price of almonds going to go up and down? I've got a team now, but three of them are pregnant and they work at a really low price for me. If I was paying market rate for this team, would the, would I still be breaking even? You know, it's almost we're kind of auditing and poking around like that. You know, that's the, they're the numbers, they're the things that we need to really know and feel out. Not mm. is the interest rate going to be 1% more, you know, businesses are in, it's like, you know, it's like, wait, wait till the recession's finished. Well, is 
is it right for you and is it right for your business once you've had an honest look look at things and it almost then becomes gut instinct doesn't it yes. because it's like yeah. well I know my business best because I yeah. know all of these things yeah. a really interesting exercise that I did alongside it was held by another service provider but with one of my clients the other week was all around assumptions and risk I just thought it was fascinating we literally as you've just said there poked at every single part of the business plan you know looked at how do we want to market it what's the pricing what's the you know, uh, technology we're going to need, what's the team will need. And we listed out over a hundred assumptions based off of that business model and then judged all of those assumptions in terms of how risky it was if that assumption wasn't true. You know, assumptions like we assume that people are going to want to buy at this price point. We assume that this model will work. And it was so fascinating. You know, you go into the meeting like, yep, everything feels good. We've got a really cool, exciting business. You come out like bloody hell, I'm questioning everything. But in a really positive way, because you then leave the questioning. Even socially accepted assumptions that we just think, you know, oh, that's here to stay. Things change. In our first business, Grasshopper Porridge, because it had milk powder in in it, and I felt quite strongly about animal husbandry, and we got licensed to be organic by the Soil Association. And we looked into all the market research around that stuff, and it's described the market for organic food is large, stable, and mature. You know, this is what mint all the people who exact. Great, you know, this is really worth investing. And people and people said, people will always want organic food. They're not going to go back to wanting food with chemicals in. And I was like, you can't imagine, can you? You can't imagine that. And actually, the organic food market kind of collapsed because all natural became a new definition. You know, unprocessed natural food. You know, and is it better? And air miles and stuff like that. So is it better to buy an organic blueberry from America than to have one that's non-organic but it's grown two counties away that and it's come here on a bike? You know, so. And it, so it did collapse. It was something that they thought would never change. And it really changed. Anything can change. Some of our investors became quite powerful. So it's like, we want it to be non-organic. And I was like, oh no, I don't, that's not fair on the cows. And they said, oh, we want it to be a plastic lid because otherwise Sainsbury's won't take it. And I went, oh, I don't think we should be making any more plastic though. And it creeps and it creeps and it changes. And you have to, you have to know like, what, how is that for you? Is that yeah. okay or not? Is that, what are your non-negotiables? Yeah, if it, yeah, what, if, what about if it, it, the business can only work if you manufacture it, you know, in a different country? Well, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. And the recession can force your hand on those kind of changes. When I say it shows up in different ways, you know, that's what I mean. It can push you to examine who you are and how you're doing things. Yeah, so valuable to question those things. And the more that you're talking through this, it's always giving me this weird, and I realize it's a privileged thing to say, but a weird gratitude for going through lockdown with my business because that kind of felt like round one of that showed me actually how much can change overnight and how yeah. much your assumptions do need to be tested and how agile you do yeah. need to be that actually now I'm like okay I can almost see a bit of how I've already done that and there's a bit more self-trust there of perhaps just yeah, doing exactly. that again I guess when you went through the 2008 recession did you notice any particular almost upsides to that period things that yes we're looking at the challenges that are coming but anything positive to look out for there's all kind of positive things and there's 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 all kinds of opportunities to if you're really connected with your customers or clients there's really opportunities to serve them and to give people you know things that they want 
or need. You don't make any mistake. You can coin it, this recession. I had a friend in the pandemic and her husband's a scientist. He's a very, very brainy professor. And he has this small business and he worked on this micro, micro area of science that no one even understood, probably except him and about four people, right? And he'd just been going on happily, living his science life with his tiny business and supplying these people. And in the pandemic, it turned out that the tiny thing, this niche tiny thing that he'd invented had a capacity, it had a the potential to speed up the testing of the um, the vaccines, the COVID vaccines. He then had a, a client like the government, the world, and over the period of about six months, his business kind of set, helped save us all. And he's now got more money than you could ever spend. <laughs> There's something associated with making money in a crisis, which is seen as shameful and, and bad. But as long as we keep our integrity, we keep re-examining what we're doing and why. There can be enormous opportunities to you know to really thrive and re- if you've got the appetite for it, if you've got the bite, you know there's all there's all kinds of opportunities to for things to change if you know if you want if you want to do that that makes me think if people are feeling a bit kind of out of love with their businesses at the moment is this a time to look quite strongly at actually do I want to keep doing this because by the sounds of it it takes you know grit and it's going to be hard work so actually if you're not fully in love with it is this a time to be questioning that before just assuming that well you I think that I'd just say that anyone who's not feeling it like you know having your own business it, you know you you lose a lot about the securities of payroll and all that kind of stuff mm. if you're not feeling it then you de- you should you know you should be re-examining things anyway and do a bit of work on who you are what you want to be doing and how you want your life to- I just think that can be easy to put off I guess whereas knowing that Okay, maybe now. You should, if you put the problem with pushing it off is that you just eventually will become sadder and sadder Uh until your mental health prevents you making the changes that you need to. And then you just bin it all off. So as soon as you, you know, get in touch with the truth inside of yourself that really this isn't for you, Mm. then you need, yeah, the moral courage to put your hand up, get some help, and just start looking about what, what do you care about? in this and what don't you care about i love what you said earlier of you know everything in the world is always changing and i think our businesses are no different if we ever see it that we're trying to reach some end goal of the business model it'll probably fail after two years because it's not evolved enough and again that's the danger of the um instagram tropes Mm -hmm. i did this and if you pay me five thousand pounds you can do this make six Um, figures in 20 seconds it's all a load of rubbish isn't it i'm interested Fleur. how are you feeling about this recession as we head into it relaxed capable curious connected that's great words yeah I think that's fantastic. Available as well. I am available for this stuff. You know, if people, you know, if people have questions or they want to find me, you know, I I talk about this. I'm available. Mm. So yeah, I'm 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 relaxed. You know, as well. Even if the other thing is that even if this, if real work, for example, or my coaching and consultancy work, if no one wanted to buy those services off me anymore, if that just stopped, yeah, I'd, I'd be all right. Because if you've even got this far that you're listening to this podcast, that you you've been selling goods or services, even in, you know in a very small way, in a modest way, even in a small, that means that you are someone who has ideas, and you will always have ideas. And if even if this one has gone as far as it can go, and you need to put it to one side, I know this is very scary. 
but I did that with my first business. It got to a stage when it was so difficult. All the stakeholder relationships were very complex and difficult. And it had really turned into something very, very different from what we had intended seven years before. Put it to one side and just let it go. Just walked away from it. Mm -hmm. Took a took a break and did something else. You will always have ideas. I'll be fine. I love that. I feel like we all need that as our alarm bell in the morning just to yeah. start the day with a bit of peace yeah. can I finish off by asking you three three recession yeah. quick fire questions mm-hmm. I know it's not as black and white as it's fine, I mean, it's fine black and white so that's why I like everything to be black and white um but first question would be I guess you can conclude it from what we've already talked about or share something new what is one kind of misconception about recession or one thing you'd like everyone to kind of know about recessions there's two things first of all it can show up as business as usual so don't be fooled into thinking it's not happening second of all don't just assume that your business is going to suffer or fail be ready by going through those preparations we talked about and the second question which Mm -hmm. might link to that but you might share something different what is one thing you'd encourage us not to be doing whenever there's a big dominant news story just don't tune into that stuff don't get involved in those conversations well of course you know you're screwed because you know fabric manufacturer is going to be ruined by the it's just like well maybe it will maybe it won't let's Mm -hmm. just don't get involved in that conversation. The conversation yeah. with yourself and with your stakeholders in your, that's what we're interested in. And something I heard yeah. years ago, which really helped me is think about your news feed, you know, on Instagram or Facebook yeah, or LinkedIn yeah, yeah. in the same way that you would picking up a newspaper, you know, curate it, make sure it actually aligns with what you're wanting to consume. And then the third and final question, obviously lots of listeners will have been thoroughly enjoying what you've been sharing and thinking, right, I need to go and take some action. I want to do something. Maybe they feel a bit overwhelmed with all of the different ideas that you've shared. What would be one thing you'd encourage people to do or think about as maybe a starting point off the back of this episode? Deal with your feelings and make sure you're calm and then make some space, make a container of space, like even a week or something when you're just going to go pick through it's just like tidying up your office or tidying up the broom cupboard when you pick through things who am I working with here who's you know the marketing what am I spending who's it reaching how's it working and just like auditing things being available to your community and when I say community I don't just mean customers I don't mean people who just pay you I mean your suppliers who you work with who you buy services off pick up the phone to them find out how they are connect with them and get that information get the feeling if they're feeling strong and they can you know give you longer to pay or if they're feeling frightened and they might not be able to supply you anymore just like connections i would say reconnect with all of those things revisit those things just picking things up and looking at what's underneath yeah tune that little antenna on top of your head into what's going on I feel like I'm going to feel like a Teletubby over the next few weeks as I'm doing all of my <laughs> tuning in like I've got something going out of my head but I love it thank you so much for this uh, I cannot tell you A how hard it is to find someone who wants to talk about the recession um, and B how refreshing it is to hear your perspective which I just think is very human very realistic very logical and just very nice to hear you know I was almost scared going to record an episode about the recession thinking god am I going to end it feeling really worried but yeah I just love your approach and I'll link everything that you do in the show notes because yeah I think we can all probably do with a little bit more of your voice over the next few months it's an absolute pleasure thank you for having me not at all it's been a joy 